I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Man, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight in Vancouver, all my real fans. morning Canuck fans welcome to another episode of sipping on a 40 shout out to SB Nation shout out to Nuck's misconduct and shout out to shout out to me I ran out of shout outs got to give one to myself Kyle Bowen talking to you this morning now in two hours your Vancouver Canucks they face off against the New Jersey Devils an early one whoever's hung over today is not watching this game I don't care how drunk you are off Elias Pedersen EP40. You're not waking up for this game if you're hungover. 10 o'clock, that's early. That's early. And if you're watching this game hungover, you're just on the couch, man. You're on the couch, half asleep, one eye open, with the blanket, forgot the pillow, uncomfortable, tired, watching this hockey game between the Devils and the Canucks. Now, yesterday, Nico Heischer signed that big seven-year deal. And I'm new to this hockey thing again, okay? I'm finally falling back in love with the coolest game on earth. The game of hockey, the one played on ice. So I'm slowly getting back into it. Yesterday when he sure signed that deal with the Devils, that seven-year extension, I had to ask myself the question, how good is Nico Heischer? Like, how good is this guy? guy 50-point guy last year, now gets a $7 million per year deal, getting $50 million throughout it. How good is this guy? Now, you look at the metrics, whatever the metrics fucking mean. I'm not good at the fancy stats yet, okay? I don't know if I need a calculator. I don't know what all these colors are. What what the fuck's a heat chart? Shit looks like something you get from, from the hospital. Anyways, those things are telling you and me that Nico Heischer is a very good player. One of the better two way players in the league. And this is only his third year in the NHL. Now, the Devils aren't doing that good. I'm not sure how he sure is doing. A couple points in, what, six games? I know he was hurt the last one. But he looks like a good player. Signed long-term. Something that some Canuck fans wanted Brock Bezzer to do. But, you know, you can't have it all, okay? It's different for every scenario. Let's not fucking... Let's not waste our time getting mad at that. Especially this early, okay? It's October. First week. Your Canucks won four straight. Chill the fuck out. Enjoy this Saturday game, and enjoy this interview. Yes, I got an interview with Corey Masasek of The Athletic New York. This dude is so nice. Guy's a reporter for the Devils. He came on this podcast called Sippin' on a 40 with a dude who, who the fuck am I? I barely know anything about the sport, and I tried my best at a hockey interview. I hope you enjoy it. Shout out to Corey, who, who actually, if you stick to the end of the interview, Tells you about a secret restaurant in Vancouver that you kind of somewhat maybe don't want to, but yo, it sounds kind of interesting. Want to try? Anyways, enjoy the interview. Think 
up the phone, baby. Okay, we got Corey Masasek of The Athletic covering the New Jersey Devils with us on Sipping on a 40. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm pretty worn out. It's been a long week, but otherwise I'm good. <laughs> it's been a long week, a long day. You got you got a weekend game, an early one, and you got a Nico Heischer signing. Did you see that coming? Uh, no, to be honest. Uh, I had talked to, I think the last time I had talked to his agent was during training camp, and I didn't think uh at that point that they were necessarily gonna do something right away um they were definitely they were definitely waiting to see all of those free agents from last year sort of filter in and once all those guys got done during camp and then a couple of other guys from from this coming class have, have signed now too so i think he said to me earlier today that about two weeks ago they figured that the market was about set so i guess it didn't take very long after that yeah before we go go on to the rest of the Devils, I think it is a, a good time to even expand on, on Nico Heischer. Over here in Vancouver, we look at that 2017 NHL entry draft, and we just look at Elias Pettersson. We don't really care about picks one and two. We look at Makar, we look at Heiskanen, but Patrick and Heischer, we don't get a lot of coverage over here. What type of player is Nico Heischer, and how good can he get? Yeah, I mean, I think he's already one of the better two-way centers in the league. Um, you know, if... Uh, I mean, I think a couple people have compared him to Patrice Bergeron. I don't know if he'll get that that high, right? Like that that yeah. That's, um, you that's know, I mean, I think his you know during his rookie season is one of the, one of the assistant general manager said he thinks he'll win multiple Selkie awards. Which I mean, I, I think as long as he becomes like a Selkie t- contender type of player, that's that's a pretty good ceiling to hit. Um, you know, so I mean, I think the big thing with him is like he's gonna be. You know, depending on what metrics you use, he's already a really valuable player. He's he's kind of a uh, goals above replacement, wins above replacement darling because of um, you know his two way play and specifically he just he draws a ton of penalties and he doesn't take any. Yeah, um, which is you know I mean obviously kind of an underrated thing. But uh, yeah, no, I mean I think you know I, I, that's sort of been one of the big storylines over the last couple of years to me, or maybe underreported around the rest of the league is. Just like that draft wasn't supposed to be all that good, especially at the top. And to me, there are at least four of those five guys you mentioned are going to be like multiple time all stars, really, really great players. I don't I don't know if Nico's ever gonna have the offensive upside that that Pedersen has, but like I mean I think, you know, their I think their overall value could be pretty similar. Yeah, I do look at it the same way. I think the overall value can be the same uh, can be the same, especially if you look at the metrics. And you brought up Patrice Bergeron. Obviously, that's a high standard. But even if he becomes a poor man's Patrice Bergeron, that's a great player. And that's an important piece to have. You guys just added Jack Hughes down the middle as well. So having that balance, one and two, I mean, you already got two of the most important important pieces of a, of a dynasty. You know, you need those two guys, one and two. And you got them. Right. Yeah, I don't know if, you know, I mean, I think if you compare them to some of the other one twos over the last 10 or 15 years, they don't, the thing that maybe they're missing, those guys are probably the smallest of the, of the of the of the pairing of the group those kind of duos but um obviously the league is has trended smaller and faster and, and all that uh in recent years anyway so no i mean i think he's you know i, I think he had the, the potential to be a number one center maybe not an elite number one center but i think he certainly could be an elite you know top 10 type of number two center for sure yeah an important player and how was his relationship 
with the fans. So what did the fans think of Heischer? Is he a fan favorite down there? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, he, it's, you know, he doesn't, it's kind of, it's, it's been an interesting start to this season, obviously, because well, they haven't won any games until last night, but specifically just sort of seeing the fan base kind of get to know all these new players and sort of where everyone fits. Um, you know, I don't, you know, like in terms of like, you know, who's getting the biggest pop whenever they announce their name right now, he's not, I don't think he's in the top two or three, but, uh, part of the, part of his problem is that, uh, all these guys that they they added that they can do that you can do the the I'm not booing I'm whatever you know Husing or Sue banning or yeah. or uh, and then I think I think honestly the most popular guy might be Nikita Gusev everyone loves to do the goose thing hey that's a so. that's a fun thing to do in the crowds <laughs> and, and Nico Heischer this is his third year in the NHL this this guy could still be the limit for this guy and he's putting up good metrics overall the NHL community is saying that it's a good deal and best of luck to him and. His career with the Devils, he's going to be there for quite some time. Now, a new guy on the team, Jack Hughes, he's struggling off the top, you can say. I was listening to a couple hockey podcasts earlier, and, and someone said that Jack Hughes looks lost out there. How has Jack Hughes been, and what has he been doing good on the ice over his first seven games? Yeah, I, he, you know, he, I think he struggled a little bit his first two games, for sure. Um, you know, they were, it was just, he just looked like, someone who was trying to find a way to make an impact and, and his line got buried uh, kind of in both of those games. But really ever since then, I mean, he's got five games in a row now where uh, actually the, the game last night, I mean, that he got his first point and that was probably his least impactful game of the five. He's actually had, I would say four pretty good games. No, like, Oh wow. Like pop off the scoreboard kind of, kind of games. But I, I mean, his line in general has not been a problem, which is saying something because most of the other of the other three lines have been problems on on any given night. So, um, you know, he's getting a chance here. I don't know if uh, he, Nico he sure missed one game and and Jack got to play with Holland Palmieri. He might do that again tomorrow if if Nico can't play or on Saturday afternoon. But um, yeah, no, I mean he's he's creating chances. You can see whenever you know whenever the puck is on his stick, he's super comfortable. Um, he's just sort of getting getting used to what he's got to do to get it back, how hard he's got to defend, being in the right position. Uh, some some of the stuff that he probably didn't have to do a whole lot of whenever he was, you know, playing against kids his age. Oh, no, of course. And, you know, in Vancouver, we also we also have a huge brother. We have the older one in Quinn. And one thing you one thing you notice from Quinn is how mature he is and how calm he is. And then you look at interviews with Jack Hughes, and it, and it feels like the same way. Very mature, very calm. That's going to help him get through – Little slump, little stumps down the road in his career, and have you seen any signs of him panicking, or has he stayed calm throughout this whole process? Yeah, he's been pretty calm. I mean, I think he he had the he had the uh, kind of the empty net shot against uh, the Panthers, where he was basically at the left post and the puck was bouncing, and he tried to stuff it in, and he actually put it off the far post. He slammed his stick on the ice, and I think that I think NHL Network has shown that clip 103 times since mm. then. But yeah. honestly, like he's been. You know, he, he's been fine. I like I. <laughs> I mean, you like you said in, in Vancouver, you guys are getting a good a good look at window and in, into that family. They're it's it's a pretty incredible hockey family, really. Like they're uh, I spent some time with his parents uh, in Slovakia at the World Championships, and they like those three kids are all so good at hockey, and yet like their parents have done a really good job of just kind of keeping them level headed and mm -hmm. grounded and. 
but then they still everyone you know their teammates all say that they work work as hard or harder than anyone on the ice in practice so you know they've they've definitely uh i mean i'm 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 excited to watch quinn tomorrow just because i i only see him a little bit here and there on tv and he's already I, to me he's already one of the most exciting defensemen in the league to watch so oh yeah quinn is an absolute treat to watch and just just been watching some highlights of jack from his years from his year last year and some early glimpses this year the kid's exciting and the fact that he's calm i don't think there's anything to really worry about he's so young new league and also a lot of new players on the New Jersey Devils, what do you think has been the biggest problem? Has it been goaltending? Has it been coaching? Or has it been the fact that there's like six new guys on the team and you could argue that four of them are your top six forwards with, Ty- with Taylor Hall coming back? Yeah, it's I mean, it's been a little bit of everything. I mean, up until yesterday, they, they had the special teams played well against the Rangers and they won their first game. But before that, they were last in the league on the power play. They were last in the league in the penalty kill. And both of the goalies were below 900 in save percentage. And honestly, the, those three things were not the biggest problem to me. The biggest problem was actually uh, just how bad they were playing at even strength in their own zone. Uh, just not being able to get out of the zone, getting stuck in there, bad turnovers, bad passes. It just, I think it, the fact that it went on for four or five games like it did, I think it was just sort of wearing on everybody. Like they were, Oh yeah. You could just sort of see the whole, like, here we go again thing. Like, you know, they, they had two games where they blew a three goal lead and a four goal lead. They had a third game where they had the lead three different times and kept giving it back. They just, they, they were just, you know, it was one of those, I, I hate to do like the whole, Oh, the team was mentally fragile or because I, some of that stuff is uh, a little overrated to me, but they were, lacking whatever the whatever you need to to uh sort of face the adversity that, that they were facing they were just things were kind of a mess to, to put it simply um and so i think they've you know they if you basically take the last three games two of the three have been pretty good so maybe they're sort of getting out of the rut and and trending upwards a little bit but they still have a ways to go i would say yeah ways to go for a team that again brought in a whole bunch of new players and there was just I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it, it was like high expectations, but people people looked at that roster and thought they were going to be a fun team to watch. And I guess, I guess when Jack Hughes gets going, that will that will ignite a lot of things. But again, a lot of new players there. Chemistry is a, an important thing. And you know, I did watch that game when they played the Flyers. I believed and they blew a they blew a lead. Like once one went in, it was just over. You could just say, it, yeah, nothing was really yeah. happening. No, I mean they were. The the preseason expectations thing was kind of weird. Yeah. Here, I think like was it the same? When, when New it was, Jer- just, was it the same in New Jersey, or was it just a league wide thing? Something for content? Were people in New Jersey no, really expecting I, this team to to get? Yeah. No. I, I said that's what I like. I think once they they won the lottery and got Jack, and then they trade and they traded for for PK Subban the very next day while we're while we were in Vancouver at the draft. So that was like, oh, okay, you know, like this is you know. The, the general manager Ray Shiro said we're going to get better players, and this this was the start of it. And then they signed Wayne Simmons on July first, and it basically if you took those three guys together and put them with a healthy team from last year, you're like, okay, this this could be like a playoff contender type of team if everything breaks right. And then I think the thing that sort of set everyone off was whenever they traded for Gusev, because like the hype machine on Gusev got pretty wild and out of control. Um, Whenever there was that whole period where it was like he could be available, let's who could who's going to trade for him, 
Um, but then I say that, and then like they traded for him, and I talked to like two of his former teammates that are still over in in, in Europe, and a, a bunch of players in the the NHL right now who played with him in the KHL, and they all were like, "He's going to be amazing. He's going to be, you know, one guy compared him to Panarin, one guy compared him to Kucherov. Like the the expectations for him specifically from his former teammates was really high, and he just hasn't. He he has scored three goals. But he hasn't really had that kind of impact, other than the goals. He's he's been, I think he's got maybe the worst Corsi percentage in the league, or he's in the bottom three. Um, and his whatever line he's been on has struggled at times. Although they've sort of figured that out the last couple of games. But but anyway, regardless, they I think the Devils fans once they got him, they were like some of them at least were like, okay, rebuilds over, let's go. And at, they're not there yet. I mean, they're I think even with with everybody that they have right now, like. Things, some things still have to break right for them to even be a playoff contender and maybe make the playoffs. Specifically, they just don't have a whole lot of depth on defense, and they're already. Andy Green isn't gonna has already missed a couple games. Will Butcher's not gonna play tomorrow. Like they're, mm. when whenever they're down two of their top five def- defensemen, that that lineup looks a little grisly. So, oh yeah, anytime you're missing players in the back end, creates yeah. those holes, and you guys got yeah, you guys got new faces there too with PK Subban, Connor Carrick, and stuff. So it, it takes. It takes a bit of time. Uh, going back to the coaching staff, we saw we saw something that that you wrote. A lot of people around the league were saying that this stuff never happens when you see an assistant general manager come down. But you wrote in an uh, article with the Athletic that it's not actually as rare as it seems. Uh, what do you have to say about Tom Fitzgerald moving down to the staff? Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think the circumstances are are unique. Like the fact that a team has did it six games into the season. And if you look back and try to find all the examples of when something like this has happened, I, I think every single other time that I found, the, the head coach was fired. And so it was sort of like, well, we're going to reshuffle the deck here a little bit, reshuffle the staff. They're, all they're basically doing here is just putting the assistant, you know, an assistant general manager with the other guys. Like everyone else is still there. Um, I mean, uh, to me, the biggest thing I think is, they were looking for some sort of solution that basically didn't involve firing the coach. Like I think they've, you know, you know, John uh, Ray Shiro and John Hines have worked together for like 11 years now. And he's Shiro has hired him three different times for three different jobs. And so I, I think he really values him as a coach and I don't think he thought this slow start was all on him. And so I think part of, part of putting doing this is to sort of just shake up the room a little bit like, Hey, you know, we're not, you know, we're not just going to fire the coach and let you guys off the hook. We're going to put somebody down here to sort of keep an eye on you. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, look, it's been one game since then, but that was certainly the most, like the, the most committed the team was to the game plan and the most, you know, whatever, however you want to call it, like the, they played the hardest, the most passionate game that they've played of the season so far. Now they were also playing the the team that they hate the most from across the river. So, yo, that felt like uh-huh. a, that felt like a playoff game, man. I watched the condensed highlights, and it just felt like it was loud in there. And obviously, every goal was big for the Devils. They needed a win, but damn, that that game actually felt like a playoff game through the highlight package. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there was, I mean, part of it is that there was probably half and seven, half seven seven thousand Rangers fans there, damn. so it was kind of like, uh, regardless of if whichever team did something good, people cheered. So. <laughs> yeah, it was loud in there. It was loud in there. And yeah, I mean, I look at this Devils roster. It's so early in the season. It's it's easy to over overreact and say things are over. It's it's easy to overreact and start trade rumors involving Taylor Hall. Uh, what do you have to say about that? I mean, 
it's so early in the season, but damn, this is this is a big, a big player on your team. You need to get assets because it's still a young team, and we've seen in the past with John Tavares and how these players like to hit the UFA market. This team's not doing well. I mean, Taylor Hall is, is going to get traded, right? I mean, if they're still in like twenty seventh place in in early February, then I then I think there's a pretty good possibility of it. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I mean, they're certainly not doing anything right now. I mean, there's just okay. no. Like, they didn't, the, I mean, this team didn't spend anywhere near the salary cap for four years, and the general manager has said on multiple occasions that the owners would have been totally cool with them spending to the salary cap two or three years ago, but he's been the one that's been telling them to hold off because he wants to build something that can last. So this was finally the summer where they said, okay, let's spend some money, and, like, you're not trading away your best player after four home games, oh, of course. Not. After you've after you've done this, spent this whole summer, uh, uh, you know, with basically, you know, look, just just from the business side, it just doesn't make any sense. So, oh, um, sure. yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think they're like they, you know, they, his agent and the general manager talked right basically like a week before the season started in training camp, and there were lots of reports about how that was a positive meeting. Um, you know, I'm sure every five or ten games, if the team's playing good, people are going to say things, and if the team's playing bad, I just, I just don't think there's going to be anything with him. I mean, I, to me, like Thanksgiving at the absolute earliest would be the first time there would be any sort of concrete, like, oh, hey, maybe they're getting close to a deal. Uh, and but, I, and I don't even think, like, I think it could definitely go like as far as February, because um, I just, I mean, the biggest thing is that, like. Uh, I mean, Taylor Hall wants to spend the next five or six years of his career going to the playoffs. Like he, I mean, I don't think, yeah. I think that's like the number one priority. I mean, I don't think he's going to take like $3 million from someone to do it, but I think, you know, there's, he's going to, him and his agent are going to sit down and say, here are the five teams that give me the best chance of going to the to playoffs every year for the next five years. And these are the five teams that can do it and also pay me, you know, 10 and a half or $11 million. And so, I mean, the Devils are certainly going to fulfill the second part of that. They're going to be willing to give them the money. It's just a matter of whether or not they believe that this group of players is going to be, you know, a playoff team over the next four or five years. And, and does Taylor Hall deserve the money? I know he's coming off a major injury, coming back this season. How's he looking? And do you believe that he can still be, be that that Hart Trophy winner? Yeah, I mean, I think he has. He's been pretty good. I mean, in a on a team where. As we just talked about, how they're they're getting stuck in their end way too much. Like one of the one of the telltale signs of the season so far to me has been, like probably five or six times, where Taylor has gotten the puck at his own blue line, carried it to the other blue line, and then fired a shot off the off of the goalie, and then spun around and went to the bench like that because he's he was out of gas. Like that was just that's sort of been they've done this they've gotten stuck in this dump and change mode. Uh, in a couple of the games and and that to me like him and that's you know him just sort of firing a shot off the goalie and in a little bit of frustration but i i think he i think he's looked pretty good and i do think that you know once they've sort of all got they've got the, everything figured out and he's i mean i don't know if he's ever going to get be a you know 95 point mvp candidate again but i certainly think he's a you know a point per game guy and one of the you know one of the 10 best wings in the league Oh yeah, I, I I believe he's a top five hundred in my opinion. I, I don't I don't see a lot more exciting players when they're on their game, especially MVP Hall during that run. He was just way too much fun to watch, and the Devils do need a guy like that back. And I hope it happens, man. I I enjoy watching players like Jack Hughes. I I don't mind the PK Subans, 
And I like the Devils uniforms, man. You guys got one of the baddest uniforms in the NHL. I like to see that team do good, man. And uh, I just want to thank you for your time. But I got one more question. Okay, you told me you were in Vancouver. I need to tell my viewers, tell my listeners, what's the best place to eat in the city while you're out here? The, my, okay, the best place to eat in the city. Um, so my favorite place that I went, and I actually stayed for like three days after the draft okay, because okay. Uh, my girlfriend is from Toronto and she had never been west of Toronto before. So I was like, you got to go to Vancouver. So we, and, and she loved it. It was, I mean, it was, it was an awesome like little getaway. Uh, my favorite place that we went, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where it is in the city. People have to look it up. It's called Salmon and Bannock. Bannock the, it's a, the first nations restaurant. Oh, cool. It's like the, like the, it's like the only one in the city. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, the, the, the food was just, it was amazing. It was, I, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember one of us had like elk and I can't remember what the other one was, but, and there was, it was just a really cool place. Like all the, all the art on the walls was all from, you know, first nations artists and the menu changes a little bit depending on, they have like some specials. I think one of the, the special we had that day was, uh, like sea lion, uh, which was like a, wow. okay, are you, are you supposed to eat sea lion? But yeah, I guess so. And it's okay. So, uh, but anyway, no, that, yeah, that point, I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've been there a few times, obviously, like there's a million different great places to eat. You get every place on Granville Island is great. Uh, nice. And we went there several times. But yeah, Salmon and Bannock. Um, it's not right in, it's it's definitely not right in the downtown. We had to, I think we took, uh, I think we took a, a, a cab over to get to it. But yeah, it was, that was amazing. So, Hey man, you, you seem to know the city more than I do, man. I've never heard of that restaurant, but that sounds amazing. I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to try any type of food, so I'm definitely going to check it out. Once again, thank you to Corey Massasek of The Athletic covering the New Jersey Devils for coming on, sipping on a 40. Thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, anytime. Thanks for having me. No problem, bro. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Once again, thank you. Yes, thank you to Corey Masasek of The Athletic New York for hopping on, sipping on a 40. So those devils... They're at home to face your Canucks in, in an hour. I don't know when you're listening to this. I hope you're listening to this before the game. Now, if you're new to the program, I got to tell you that we come at you after every Canuck game, which means I'll be back after the game. Two shows in one day. We working hard. We working hard, baby. I'm trying to fall in love back with the game of hockey. I'm trying to get my shit straight. You ever hear about that 21-day theory? You do something 21 days in a row? Shit changes, your life changes, you fucking evolve. What if that happens? I do 21 post-game reports in a row, and I just become a genius. You guys forget about Elliot Friedman. Forget about Darren Drager. Forget about Rick Dollywood. I just, I just take over, okay? Who knows? Anything is possible. I need to get my shit straight, though, man. This game's a complicated game. All those fancy stats. When we were talking to Corey, he brought up the metrics. I got lost. I got lost, homie. I'm sorry, bro. But that's part of the game. What's that What's that Colin Coward quote about 
those people who are against the metrics, and I, I'm pretty much on that boat. He said those people, I think I'm paraphrasing, but he said those people who are against the metrics are stupid. Are stupid. You gotta get with the you gotta get with the times. You gotta get with the science. You gotta understand the heat charts, all the charts. That shit is mad confusing, but whatever. I gotta learn them. I got the book Stat Shot right behind me. I tried, I tried reading it. Shit was like a fucking math textbook, okay? One step at a time, baby. One step at a time. Anyways, enjoy the game. And after the game, once again, we'll be with you. Because that's what we do over here on Sippin' on a 40. Have a good morning. Have a good afternoon. Have a good night. I do not know when you're listening to this. But I fucking appreciate it. Peace. (laughs) 